Well, good afternoon there, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Glad to be with you guys today. It is an interesting day in the world of Louisiana politics. A lot of different things going on right now. Let's let's start with the big national news, but related to us. Uh, we've been reporting it since this morning, uh, but we do have an update. Bill Cassidy is a no vote on Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson uh, for the Supreme Court. We knew that. We've known that going into the day. But earlier today, we also found out that Senator John Kennedy will also be a no vote for Judge uh, Jackson. Now, actually, Kennedy is not a surprise. It's Cassidy that was a surprise to a lot of analysts. But if you've been listening to me, you know it's not that much of a surprise. Why? Because Cassidy wants to run for governor. Here is how you know this is political for Cassidy and not based on any sort of merits on uh, Jackson's qualifications. Cassidy's statement. Uh, this is according to uh, USA Today Network, Greg Hilburn's story today. Cassidy didn't dispute Jackson's qualifications, but he said Democratic senators set the stage for philosophical nomination debates by opposing uh, Republican President Trump's three uh, nominees, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. I appreciate Judge Jackson meeting with me, Cassidy says. She is gracious, intelligent, and accomplished. But when the political left opposed Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, not because they were not qualified, but because of their presumed jurisprudence, that they established criteria by which future nominees should be judged. President Biden chose Judge Jackson precisely because she is not a strict constructionist, but because she has the strong support of those who prefer an activist judge. It is for these reasons that I will vote no. Cassidy said basically nothing in that statement. Uh, to say that the Democrats set the stage for, uh, for philosophical nomination debates by opposing, no. We've always talked about jurisprudence. It's not new, okay? What's new is that we're talking about the jurisprudence of a black female judge, and the Democratic Party has decided that that is inherently racist and or sexist. Never mind what Clarence Thomas and Amy Coney Barrett went through. But to also say, he, he name drops President Trump. He says when the political left and when he says something about a constructionist and uh, support of those who prefer an activist judge, these are all things that he's saying to try to tell conservatives that, yes, he's on their side. This is Cassidy trying to rebuild his image ahead of 2023. Cassidy's going to run. It looks like Cassidy's going to jump in. Now, I could be wrong, and he could change his mind between now and then. It's still over a year out. But if he's coming out in opposition to Ketanji Brown-Jackson, it means he's not done running for office. And his next Senate bid is in, what, five years? Four years? So that's clearly not it. Instead, he's looking at a more immediate race. The most immediate statewide race is governor. He's realized he can go no further in the U.S. Senate. 
He's done there. So he's going to come back and try to govern the state of Louisiana and try to stay in Louisiana politics just long enough, get a couple terms as governor in, and then right off into the sunset. It's pretty obvious. Now, Kennedy, on the other hand, you knew going into it, Kennedy was going to be a no vote. It was based on the questioning. Now, while Cassidy can drop things about jurisprudence and things like that, we know specifically what is bothering Kennedy. And for Kennedy, it's all about judicial power and the importance of judicial restraint. Cassidy didn't want to bring that. He didn't want to say those specific things. He just wanted to say the broad things that were out there in hopes that conservatives would be like, oh, yeah, he's one of us. I found Judge Jackson to be smart, well-versed in the law, and extraordinarily artful in her ability to speak at length without saying anything of substance on critical questions, especially the limits of judicial power and the importance of judicial restraint, Kennedy said. That is a very short and succinct statement compared to Cassidy's word jumble that really said nothing. That's how we know Kennedy is voting no on the merits, or lack thereof, and particularly on specifics within the jurisprudence of one Judge Jackson. And Cassidy is trying to sound as conservative as possible. That's the difference between the two right there. And I'm glad that Kennedy gave his statement today, although we knew that they were going to uh, be releasing them today. Last week was kind of the review period for the the Judicial Committee and for senators uh, who would meet privately uh, with Judge Jackson. But there you have it. Kennedy is Kennedy is where we expected him to be. Cassidy surprised a lot of people, unless, again, you listen to this show and you know exactly why he did what he did. It's because he's running for governor in 2023. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. When we get back, let's talk a little bit more about why Republicans would be opposing Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Y'all, I got freaked out a little while ago. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. I was walking into the studio, uh, and I, I could see in front of me, because the, the building is dark, the windows especially are dark, and you look in front of you, and I was like, oh my God, I can actually see the particles of pollen floating in the air in front of me. And it, it, I, I forgot to take my, med- my Zizol this morning, and I was like, oh God, this is going to hurt. And then I heard the noise behind me. It was in the field across from the station, somebody was mowing, so it was just the kicked up grass and stuff. That's still not an ideal situation. Uh, Once again, we should declare war on pollen here in our country. It is high time that we do something about it. 232-1542, if you want to call in and take part in the conversation. So, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. Here's the lay of the land as far as those votes go. The the, uh, Judge Jackson is going to get 51 votes, probably. Here's the way it's laid out. Um, right now, you have uh, Susan Collins, a Republican, who has said she will vote for uh, for Jackson. You have Bill Cassidy, who was a who was a suspected yes on her, is now a no. You also had um, Mitch McConnell say that he was a no vote. McConnell's And McConnell's was important. McConnell's is a signal that it's okay to declare your intentions. If McConnell's reserving, that means he's whipping votes. Him saying that he's, him going ahead and saying he's a no vote means 
He's counted the votes. He knows who is going to go where. And he also knows that based on electoral chances and everything to y'all go ahead and essentially vote your conscience. If he's withholding his vote, he's basically saying, y'all, hold on. Let's take a measure here. Let's let's take a count, see what's going on. McConnell coming out early and saying he is a no vote on Judge Jackson is a signal to go ahead and, and state whatever you need to for the sake of fundraising, electoral chances, things like that. Cassidy is looking at the lay of the land in Louisiana. So we know now that he is a no vote because he's going to be running for governor in 2023. That's his plan right now. Now, that uh, JMC analytics poll that we talked about last week kind of throws a a little bit of water on that ambition. But Cassidy probably has enough of an ego and a, a team surrounding him that thinks, oh, we can overcome that. They might think that, well, Kennedy's got 22 percent of the vote in that poll and he's not running. That will come to us because we've already won a statewide election. We're et cetera. The. The problem. The problem is going to be Mitt Romney. And I say problem. It's not really a problem. We know that Judge Jackson is going to get confirmed. We know this because Joe Manchin came out and said that he was a yes vote. So where's Mitt Romney going to come down? Doesn't matter. He's not up for re-election anytime soon. So likely you're going to see 51, maybe more votes. The Republicans, I'm guaranteeing you, if, if you have Cassidy coming out and saying it, if you have Mitch McConnell coming out and saying it, you have some of these other Republicans already coming out and saying it, there's internal polling. And the internal polling shows that voters are worried, they're probably worried about something like activist judges, because that's what the Republicans were asking questions about. They wanted that polled. That's why they asked those questions. They want to know where that judge will be on their philosophical jurisprudence. And they want to know where specifically that judge will be on essentially creating new rights. Talked about it last week. The creation of new rights. That's what Joe Biden wants in a judge. That's what the Republicans were asking tons of questions about last week. Are we going to be getting a judge that is fine inventing out of inventing whole cloth new rights? And the answer is yes. That is what Judge Jackson is looking for. Now, a lot of political commentators, a lot of conservative commentators, but, oh, she doesn't know the definition of a woman, or, oh, she doesn't know what natural rights are, oh, she doesn't know when life begins. I'm sorry, y'all. She's smart. She knows the answers to those questions. On the what is a woman question, on the when does life begin question, she cannot answer for fear of the electoral reaction. If she says a woman is based on biology, she kind of hinted at that with the I am not a biologist thing. But if she says a woman is something biological, that upsets the progressive left. If she says a woman is based on identity, womanhood is based on identity, she upsets the right. So she was prepped to walk a tightrope there. Same for the life issue. If she says uh, life begins at birth when you fully exit the womb, that upsets the right. If you say life begins at conception, 
or anywhere in anywhere less than birth, you upset the progressive left. She could not answer those, honestly. Not because she doesn't know, but because there were political ramifications and she was prepped by a political team. Her judicial philosophy is of the progressive left and she will practice jurisprudence along those lines. She's not going to be a major opinion writer. She's not going to be somebody who will be noted for her opinions. Much like we've seen with Roberts and the way he tries to walk very tight ropes. Not like Gorsuch, not like uh, Kavanaugh, not like Thomas, not like Alito was. I'm so, uh, Not like Alito, um, not like Ginsburg. Some of these in the more recent era who have been phenomenal writers. She's going to be somebody who's going to be a yes on the progressive side consistently every time. Kind of like Sotomayor, to be honest. Kind of like Kagan. Breyer was noted for his, uh, for his uh, in, uh, opinions as well. But they're not looking for Jackson to be a, a noted opinion writer, to, 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 to be somebody whose opinions are widely shared as, oh, this is the cutting-edge line of thought among progressive jurisprudence. No, she's going to be a reliable yes vote on the progressive side. That's really it. Now, the thing is, what will the final tally be? Probably 51-49 if Susan Collins crosses over. That gives them the bipartisan vote. That'll be it. That's probably going to be it. Mitt Romney, I'm not sure, and it doesn't really matter. Maybe 52-48 if Romney decides to hop over, but that's about it. Not sure about Murkowski. She might flip over too. But Murkowski is up for re-election. She might be walking a tighter rope than Collins is. I believe Collins just won re-election in 2020. So that's the lay of the land for Katanji Brown-Jackson. Going forward, a, narrow, a very narrow vote. And the left thinks that they can win on that. They think that they can win the social, the racial issue here by saying, oh, Republicans are are, uh, you know, sexist, racist. They, they don't like the idea of a black woman being on the court. No, they don't like the idea of somebody with this particular judicial philosophy. And the whole racism thing really isn't going to play out. That's going to be relatively baked into the equation as it is. Supreme Court nominees rarely move the needle. The one case that we really know of is Kavanaugh. And we know that it was the outrage generated by the left that actually pushed people to the right and saved a decent number of Republicans in 2018. But ultimately, you don't have a whole lot of needle moving in the polls when it comes to judicial nominees. You just don't. And that's going to be the case here. It's not going to be something, but the, the, the identity thing is all the Democrats have. They have nothing else. On Friday, remember the red tsunami, every issue the Democrats are losing on right now. 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the conversation. When we get back, probably the most painful headline ever written in The Advocate and written by Tyler Bridges. Override by Republican legislature indicates John Bell Edwards is now a lame duck. That had to hurt Tyler Bridges and The Advocate to actually print. Can you imagine actually sitting at The Advocate and thinking, 
oh man, we have to write about Edwards not really having control anymore. I want to dig into that story when we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you'd like to call in, also you can find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham and Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show if you want to reach out on social media. So, as I was saying before the break, this had to have hurt Tyler Bridges and the headline writers at The Advocate. Override by Republican legislature indicates John Bell Edwards is now a lame duck. Quote, it signals a power shift. Republican legislators first thumbed their noses at Governor John Bell Edwards six years ago when they broke with tradition and chose their own speaker rather than letting the governor determine who will be the most powerful House member. Well, gee, I wonder why. Why would a House, why would a Republican-run House want a Democratic governor to pick their leader? It's a mystery. Since then, Republican lawmakers have been increasingly willing to challenge Edwards, a Democrat, but he has usually triumphed. On Wednesday, though, Edwards suffered a major defeat when he failed to stop Republicans from overturning his veto of the new GOP-friendly maps for the congressional delegation that the legislature approved in February. The defeat and what it heralds appear to have weakened the governor's ability to steer his agenda during the rest of this year's legislative agenda and during 2023, his final year in office. If so, Edwards has fully entered lame duck status, an inevitable but undesired place for him to be. Still, Edwards retains immense power, especially through his ability to use the line item veto to kill money for parks, bridges, drainage systems, and the like that legislators slip into the budget to help ensure they win favor back home. So here we go. John Bell Edwards is now a lame duck. This is, this is as painful as it had to have been for the advocate to run. This is basically a warning flag for Democrats across the state. Oh, no. The Republicans have shown they can fight back. Oh, no. Rally the troops. Except, do the Republicans really have all the power? They relied on some independent votes, one Democratic vote, or a Democrat that's caucused with them for most of this, uh, most of the last couple sessions. And they still have to contend with the fact that their own leader is opposed to conservatives. Clay Schecksnyder does not like the conservatives. A lot of the Schecksnyder uh, allies are pushing for Blake Miguez to get out as uh, GOP caucus chair. They don't like the actual conservatives in the legislature. If Edwards is in lame duck status, and you can expect to see a whole lot of things. We can expect to see the transgender bill go through, and even if it gets vetoed, that veto being overridden. We can expect to see Republicans harsher on the budget, harsher on uh, fixing Louisiana's finances. We can see Republicans eyeing seriously maybe a constitutional convention. We can see Republicans... Oh, wait. Wait. Republicans actually don't care about those issues. The conservatives care about the transgender one, but Republicans in the legislature don't care about the budget. They don't care about fixing our budget, fixing our state finances, trying to wean us off these the 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 government 
the federal government's money. Sorry, I was at a loss for words there. Trying to wean us off the federal government's money. Bloating our budget with that federal money and then increasing our spending everywhere because, hey, that money's there now. They don't care about that. They're not going to fight Edwards on that. And he does have the line out of veto, and that scares the hell out of a lot of them. They don't want to actually fight on some of those key issues, the issues that would actually fix the state. Real tort reform. Okay? Real policies to try to get Washington, D.C. to work on this flood insurance issue. The fact that all of your flood insurance rates are going to rise. They don't want to fight on those issues, the issues that actually deeply impact us. How efficiently is our government being run when it's just a bunch of managers? And they don't care about the stuff that needs to be fixed. They just want to be the ones in charge of it not working. My buddy Eric Erickson, his, uh, his column this morning. Let me find the... They're managerial class fools. We actually live in a constitutional order where the left has seized on the constitutional order of the right to steer culture off a cliff. Conservatives viewed the Constitution as a document on a printed page that sets out the powers of the government and the limits thereof. It restricts the government to the public sector and provides the, and the meets and bounds description of the barrier between the public and private and the intersections of the two. But the left has abandoned the public sector. And they have started flooding the leadership of Fortune 500 companies with their own. They've advanced their social agenda across corporate America and academia, and they're taking advantage of the rights rules of lax regulation and constitutional parameters. They've seized on the libertarian idea of, if you don't like it, go build your own. And have led... Social revolt on social media to get prominent conservatives kicked off of Twitter and Facebook and the like. What can we do? And this is Erickson's point. First, we can stop giving special inter interest tax breaks. We do not have to give, like, Ron DeSantis doesn't have to give Disney special treatment in Florida. Nor do they have to extend Disney any sort of copyright protections or extensions beyond what it already has. Second, start looking at restrictions on private equity. The left keeps saying there is a wealth gap in the country, but by and large, this comes from the rich donors of the Democratic Party having gotten out of the stock market and into private equity markets where they skirt past the SEC regulations and other regulations. Third, legislate smartly. Much of the federal control in education comes through federal funding at the state level with strings attached. Lord knows that federal interference in local governance of education is a huge problem. You can use reconciliation, bypass the filibuster, and restructure that funding, curtail what programs money can be spent on, and shut out the social justice nonsense that is getting introduced. The Obama administration started with that race to the top. They attached Common Core to that and forced states to adopt Common Core if they wanted the race to the top money. Common Core itself not being that bad a thing, but leftist groups taking over education systems and restructuring what Common Core meant and how it was taught that really upset parents. But Race to the Top was a disaster. 
The last thing the GOP can do is reject the manager. I'm sorry, second to last thing. The fourth thing, reject the managerial class of the GOP. The left has dragged us into a culture, culture war. I've said it before. We're not culture warriors. The left is. They are the ones advocating for the strongest and greatest changes of our culture, of our society, and yet the right is called the culture warriors. But their culture war, the left's culture war, is turning black and Hispanic voters into Republicans. If you push for limited government, common sense, and protect our daughters and 401ks at the same time, Republicans can continue to win and take over. The final thing that Republicans can do is recognize that crazy is crazy. It is absolutely crazy to put boys on girls' teams. It is absolutely crazy to sexualize kindergartners. It is absolutely crazy to bend to progressive wants and desires because Fortune 500 companies demand it. We can do all of these things. But Republicans have to jump on board. And that's at the national level Erickson is writing about. And that's the same thing here in Louisiana. 232-1542. We're going to take a break. When we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, we are going to talk about education. What's happening? What has the school board done to try to get teachers to stay on board and try to stave off some of this teacher shortage we know is coming? All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you'd like to call in. The Lafayette Parish School Board has approved a 2% pay increase for all employees with an additional 4.7% increase for, in pay for crafts and trade professionals such as custodians, cafeteria workers, electricians, and plumbers. Full disclosure, I am an employee of the Lafayette Parish School System. The school board also approved a proposal to attract and retain teachers at the following 12 schools. Barranco Elementary, J.W. Falk Elementary, Alice Boucher Elementary, Lafayette Middle, Acadian Middle, Karen Crow High, Karen Crow Middle, Northside High, LaRosen Prep, Evangeline Elementary, S.J. Montgomery Elementary, and Paul Bro Middle. The one-time stipends would begin next year. And a qualifying teacher may be eligible for multiple stipends for a combined net effect of $9,000 if certain eligibility requirements are met, according to a district uh, release. A recruitment stipend of $5,000 to be paid in one lump sum to attract new teachers to the district to teach at one of the identified schools. This also applies to teachers transferring to one of the 12 schools. A, recurring, a returning stipend of 5000 to be paid in one lump sum to existing teachers who are returning to an identified school. And a retention stipend of 4000 for any returning transfer or new hire teacher to remain at these schools paid out over two years, dependent on attendance. This plays into a larger story that we've been seeing. Here in Louisiana, we already have an estimated 2500 uh, positions. Uh, we're, we're short 2,500 teachers going into next year. There was also a lengthy piece at BuzzFeed News. Full disclosure, it's BuzzFeed News. But actually, some of their reporting is pretty good, and this is one of those cases. Um, there was an in-depth 
feature story talking to teachers from across the country about just the struggles of the last couple of years. And yes, the pandemic has been very hard on teachers. The uncertainty that it created was like for the rest of you, it was just very hard. And one of the problems generated in this was a lot of teacher burnout. As the years have gone on, more and more responsibilities have been dumped on teachers without really much of an increase in pay here in the state. I mean, the, the, the increases we've seen over the past few years have been, uh, from the state, marginal. I mean, they don't really mean a whole lot. They, they don't really come out to a whole lot per month. But they've been enough to make the unions happy, and that's all John Bill Edwards wanted. But the whole lot more responsibilities have been dumped on teachers, but they still get the same amount of planning time, which is not enough. A lot of work has to be brought home. And the amount of time that teachers have to work over the summer tends to increase when all these responsibilities pile up because a lot of your planning and structuring and getting ready things ready for the next year has to start earlier and earlier before the school year starts. It has taken a whole lot of patience from teachers who have had to deal with bureaucratic nightmare after bureaucratic nightmare just to do their job. And so the burnout's very real, and we're seeing a lot of teachers want to just up and leave the profession, new teachers as well as old teachers. And we're not seeing a whole lot of enrollment in teacher preparation systems and in, in degree programs, in alt cert programs. We're not seeing a lot of those numbers really come up as the number of people dropping out of the teacher workforce increases. So we're going to face a shortage. Now, it's not like the shortage that we saw during the Bobby Jindal years. Remember, we, it seemed like every year we were talking about there's another teacher shortage, there's another teacher shortage, and then we were quiet about it for a while. But it's been building up. And the pandemic has really just pushed a lot of burnout. And now you have, as a result, a lot of schools that are going to be seeing a whole lot of turnover. You have uh, in Craft and Trades in Lafayette Parish, right now there's 24 openings. Two administrative openings so far, five elementary school openings, 21 high school openings for next year, six instructional, 10 middle school openings, 10 special education openings. Ton, uh, there's, there's two listings for substitute employment, but there is a constant substitute teacher shortage. Summer school, supplemental employment, 17 support staff openings and transportation openings. And that's right now. That's as of today. As we get closer to the end of the school year, those numbers are going to go up. Now, a lot of these job openings will close about mid-April, but if they don't get filled, then more, they'll be extended and more positions will open up as, 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 as people just decide, you know what, I want to get out now. We're going to face a very real shortage, so the school board has to find some way to retain teachers, but there's something else here. You have, at the same time, all the stuff that's bubbling up around the country as far as parents, school transparency and stuff like that, the critical race theory, the LGBT stuff, you're seeing all of these fights start to crop up across the board all over the country. We've, we've started seeing some of that talk even locally and across the state. 
in Louisiana, you're not going to see the CRT stuff really come up as much as you think. Maybe in the New Orleans area, but not really much else around the state. And as much as people might like to believe otherwise, Lafayette Parish School Board, as it's the people that are on the board right now, you're not going to see a whole lot of that slip through. And if it gets discovered, you know, the board's going to do something about it, typically. But there has to be a balance right now between letting the professionals who are in the classroom do the job that they were trained to do, but also give parents enough of a say in what's, what their kids are being prepped for. And a lot of what's getting blown up across the country, even though it's not actually impacting us here, is still going to be something that causes teachers to look at the job and say, you know what, I don't want to deal with this when it comes about, and they want to leave. The burnout is real. The drama is real. And the pandemic has been a nightmare for teachers to get through. And I'm not just saying that from my own personal experience, but from the experience of the teachers I work with and teachers that you can just listen to whenever there's a story that comes out and you can find it on social media. There is a lot of real concern there. So we do need a way to fill those ranks. And this is where conservatives can jump in. The openings are there. Conservatives, if you want to make an impact on education and education policy, start by getting into an alt-cert program. If you don't have a job right now or you want to switch careers and you want to have an impact on education in the country, go be a teacher. Now's the time. You can make that change right now. That's going to do it for me. 23 hours until the next show. In the meantime, be sure to follow me on social media and catch the podcast version of the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Check me out at kitchenpundit.substack.com. All of my writings go there. You'll see more up there in the near future. You guys have a great evening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.